0: Hey everybody, this is Nathan here with Jake, and you're about to listen to what we call Sound of Sanity 1.0. Now, Jake, what do we mean when we say Sanity 1.0?
1: Well, Sound of Sanity was a show we'd been wanting to do for a really long time, and we'd never really seen our way clear to getting it off the ground.
0: Right, so one day we decided the best way to get it off the ground was just to sit down, hit record, three friends talking into microphones.
1: Since that time, the show has changed and grown a whole lot. The modern version of Sound of Sanity really began to develop around episode 34 on Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah.
0: Uh, There's some stuff we're really proud of in this early iteration of this show and some stuff we're possibly, probably, maybe not so proud of, but there's some good stuff and we wanted to leave these up.
1: Plus, we thought it'd be fun for people who know the current show to go back and see how far the show's come. Yeah, fun and maybe sometimes a little humbling. No doubt. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the current
0: version of the show. That's right. And meanwhile, please enjoy this episode from the archives.
1: You are now listening to the sound of sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program.
0: Should Christians eat factory? <laughs> I can't even do that question with a straight face. <laughs> Uh, Uh, should christians eat factory farmed meat that's what we're going to be discussing today on the sound of sanity and i'm welcoming you into the pavilion the sweet pavilion of your imagination come one come all and enter the theater of the mind where you will imagine a bunch of dorky guys sitting in a room podcasting Or if you want, you can imagine us in space. You can do whatever you want. You can put us on the moon. You can put us in a theater. You can, that's the beauty and the wonder of imagination. True or false, CEO and pastor Jacob Menzel. False. Okay, okay, it's true. (laughs) You can't do whatever you want with imagination. <laughs> Is this episode going to turn into <laughs> philosophical discourse on the bounds of imagination as dictated by the world that was been created for us? No, I just wanted to be a contrarian for half a second. <laughs> Is this episode going to turn into an episode on contrarian whatever? I don't know. Why don't we meet our personal assistant? Production. Production <laughs> assistant. I'm not your personal assistant. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sorry. No, you're not. But you are my production assistant. That's right. Benjamin Sulzer, much beloved. Did I say Jacob Menzel's name? Uh, just now. And I, of course, I'm Nathan Opperson, your humble and obedient host. Now, Ben, people mm. are, I've, I've heard the word, the word on the street is, people are sick of hearing about your Rolodex of shame. They're sick of hearing about your trouble with women. They think that this joke has been ground into the ground, or ground into the ground. Yeah, sure, ground into the ground. That's right. That works. And so... You just need to stop it. You just need to stop it, okay? Every week, I try to offer you words of comfort, encouragement, advice. I try to say, go out there. You were made to go out and win her. As the great... Paul McCartney once wrote and said right, yeah, I try to you know right. bring bring a, a a little bit of brotherly affection to it but 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 you just keep looking at that Rolodex, you keep crying tears of shame, and you keep
2: striking out with the ladies why Nathan, is i've that? Been, I've been trying to take inspiration from your life, honestly, like you said, you're the one who's been en- <laughs> encouraging me, and so I think Nathan is kind of a role model and and then I you know i i try to I try to apply the ways I see you interact with women, I try to you know. <laughs> (laughs) 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 you're not you're not married yet (laughs) (laughs) try to replicate your drive your ambition to woo a woman and i i just i don't understand where it's going wrong one would think that if you did
0: everything like i did you'd have at least three and a half children a lovely wife a white and a white picket fence (laughs) but nathan you don't you don't have any of those things yeah but i could
2: with a snap of my fingers have those things well, no. I, then I, I am like you. That's that's how I feel about me. If I really wanted to, I, I mean, I could. I would already be married. You know, if right. I wanted to. So it's like I'm trying to find that spark, that motivation. It's like I'm watching you. I'm like, well, I know he could if he wanted to, but where, where is it? I, yeah. I mean, I could if I wanted to, but why would I? There's you know? people like Jake.
0: Just kind of waiting. <laughs> They're desperate. They settle down. They Weak-minded. do whatever, whatever it was Jake had to, <laughs> thought he had to do. You know, they've got wife and kids, whatever then there's
2: people like us we wait and like panthers prepared to spring maybe i never should have taken your advice to even buy that rolodex in the first place i I don't know my rolodex has been such a comfort to me though (laughs) Uh. Jake maybe you and I could talk (laughs) Maybe I need a new mentor For my romantic life
0: Uh, well, that's as bad a segue as any into <laughs> the topic <laughs> that we're uh, going to discuss today. Uh, guys, we like to have fun at the top of the show. If there's one thing that we like to do.
1: All right, today,
0: this is a very special episode. Wrong with you guys?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Folks, this is a very special episode. Couldn't be more excited because today, a lot of times, I'll bare my soul for you. Jake will bear his soul for you. But today, the soul bearing is going to be taken by our good friend Benjamin Solzer for the first time. Sanity first. Benjamin Solzer is going to be wow. bearing his soul and talking about what makes him feel insane lately in mm. his Christian walk. That's right, Nathan. So. Do tell Ben, what have you felt
2: insane about lately, my friend? Well, uh, one thing is the industrialized slaughter of the animals that we just we just eat them. <laughs> <laughs> There, we eat them every day. So, you just buy that Tyson chicken from good old Kroger or wherever it is you shop and off you go. And you never give a thought to the, uh, you know, millions of poor chickens crowded together in giant farmhouses with oversized breasts stumbling in their own poop. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen like, I've actually seen like a few video clips of this kind of thing and it is disgusting. And I was disgusted and then I thought, I don't really want to have to think about how that should affect my Choices at Kroger because I like to eat chicken for $1.89 a dollar eighty nine pound. That's kind of how I roll. Bachelor, I like budget things like that. You know, like shopping at Aldi. Maybe I have one friend in particular who will bring that up and say, you know, you why don't you Christians? Why don't you guys care about this? All the suffering of these animals. Is this guy not a Christian? No, he's not a Christian. He's interested in Christianity. He's searching, but. No, he's not a Christian at this point. And this is something he brings up sometimes as a defeater. Mm-hmm. Oh, you Christians, you know, you talk about righteousness, but you know, keep eating those animals. That's a really annoying thing. But at the same time, I want to say, well, okay, I should at least have to think about it. I sh- I should care. And so what are the facts? Is that true? Are all chickens that we eat are they just rolling around in their own poop, crowded together with other chickens? Uh I mean, I've I know that some that's that's what's happening to them cause what, what
0: is your friend's solution to the problem, by the
2: way? Uh something like you eat free-range organic chicken. You you make sure that there's some kind of accountability where you're buying chicken from a farmer who lets his chickens roam around in a hen yard or something instead of packing them together so they can hardly move in a big old... Warehouse. Does this your friend extend
0: this to everything in his life? I mean, doesn't he not own an iPhone because little children work in factories in Malaysia? I don't know what it actually is, but mm. you know what I mean. There's yeah, yeah, all kinds of these moral dilemmas.
2: Well, see, now you're bringing humans into it. I thought we were talking about animals here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh no, that that's wow. That brings up a good point. Yeah, I don't I don't know that he does. I bet he thinks about that kind of thing: exploitation of children in third world countries or underpaid factory workers slaving away over Nikes, but he was he just brought up meat. I haven't asked him about that stuff. That's also the kind of stuff I don't think about either.
0: No, I remember me and Jake one time where we were location scouting for a My Soul Among Lions shoot. What were we doing? We were we were trying to find. I don't remember what the context was exactly, but we wanted to shoot a video in a in a really nice setting, uh, preferably kind of like a liturgical. So we wanted some stained glass. We wanted uh, our church, uh, the, our church house that we currently meet in, does not have nice stained glass and stuff like that. You know, it wouldn't be good for this kind of whatever it was we were trying to do. So we were going to some different churches in town. I think just like hitting up some stuff downtown.
1: Yeah, I wish I could remember what it was. For. It, was it was for was Corey. For, it was was it for Corey or for it, a
0: refuge? One of the two. It was for I
1: think it was for Corey. Okay. And so we are We ended up at a liberal, I think it was it wasn't the United Methodist Church, which one was it? No. Was it the I, Episcopal Church? Or
0: something like that. I think it was the Episcopal Church. And this really, really super friendly guy, was he a pastor or maybe like a worship leader or something like that?
1: Yeah, I think he may have been like the worship pastor or something.
0: He comes running out. He's happy to meet us. He's happy to just show us around. And he ends up taking us upstairs to basically their fellowship hall. Right. I think. And he tells us what?
1: That every winter they open it up and let all of the homeless people of downtown Bloomington come and just sleep up there. And then I think they may have people come and make breakfast. Yeah. (laughs) Basically open to... I want to say the public, but open to anybody to come up during the winter months and, and stay warm and sleep there.
0: And it's fair to say that when he told us this, we felt like what substance? Unmentionable substance. An unmentionable substance. Think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we felt bad. We walked away from it. We, we had found a pretty nice sanctuary for our, our, video. Our, our video shoot, but a good portion of the rest of our afternoon was spent in uh, sort of guilty processing over the fact that here's this Liberal church. A lot of what they do is just outright wicked. A lot of what absolutely. They, a lot of what they did is not helpful to anyone biblically. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: what we ended up processing was the fact that this is actually a church engaged in the destruction of souls under the pretense of Christianity. So of course. This is the cynical way of maybe processing it. So, of course, they they do a really great job of caring for people's bodies.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But we were also kind of stuck with the tension because— Yeah, what you have to understand is this church is located smack dab downtown in our town. Downtown in Bloomington, famously, has a problem with panhandlers and people asking for change and stuff like that. So literally, in the course of this afternoon, me and Jake have—
1: This is always in our—this is in our newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, every day. When are they going to clean up downtown? People have different— There's a very large homeless population that just— hangs out in downtown and this church is located like right in the center of it
0: and so if you walk from point A and to we're point like 15
1: B, miles away
0: right exactly so we don't usually we, ne- we never find ourselves downtown we just happen to in this case be downtown. If you walk from anywhere, if you walk from the library to Jimmy John's downtown, you will get asked for change three or four times. Yep. At this on this particular day, I think we were probably accosted a number of times. So you already kind of have that weird feeling of, oh, should I should I help this person? Are they just going to go buy drugs? Or you know, you already have to yeah. deal with all that. So we've already probably brushed by three or four homeless people asking for change We're already feeling that tension, which I always feel acutely of, you know, is it my Christian duty to help this person? You know, John Piper has the famous thing. What's John Piper's famous thing?
1: Uh, His famous, I was actually present in the congregation for this moment. (laughs) As it turns out, his famous thing is when you get to heaven, God's not going to pat you on the back and say, good job. Nobody fooled you or something like that. Right. And so what he's advocating is, is, Erring on the side of generosity. Right.
0: And I don't err on the side of generosity. I just don't. Most most people in my circle tend to be the kinds of people who who will give you speeches about, and I've given my share, about that guy that's holding the sign on the side of the road. He probably makes such and such an amount. And we've all seen the news stories about the people that live in a penthouse and dress in rags and all that. So I always feel that tension. So this very day, we've been accosted by a number of people for change and stuff like that. Probably haven't given any. I generally... If this is any kind of an excuse, I usually don't carry any cash or change on me. I use plastic because it's the year 2017.
1: Yeah, and I'm always... And, again, maybe cynically armed with, you know, I remember we had a, a single black mom in our church who was going back to school to try to improve her ability to provide for her boys. You know, she gets off the bus and she's immediately accosted by these grown, able-bodied men asking her for money. That's the kind of thing I don't have patience for, you know. It's hard to have patience for that kind of thing.
0: Absolutely. So all that's going through your head and you're work, doing work for a conservative bible believing church that's what you're on a mission for that day you walk into a really liberal not bible believing church and then the guy just kind of sweetly tells you about their ministry to keep the homeless fed and out of the cold during the bitter winter and you end up feeling bad i mean we felt i think both felt the tension there of oh we would never even think about doing something like that it was just it wouldn't occur to us but it did occur to them and why What's wrong with us? Don't we care about the poor and downtrodden? Don't we care about the people that God has a preferential concern for in the scriptures? Don't we care about the people that Jesus cared about? So I bring that up, I guess, just as another way into thinking about what we do with some of these social issues when when people say why don't the Christians care about such and such or you shop at Walmart have you do you know what they do The, the people in their factories that labor basically like slaves to build this cheap merchandise do you know how they treat their employees have you watched the documentaries about their hiring practices it's bad and don't you care and I think the only way we're going to move forward in this discussion is if we start by saying Walmart does do that, chickens are mistreated. Does anybody want to argue that chickens aren't mistreated, that em- Walmart employees and the people that labor in the factories in third world countries aren't mistreated, that there wasn't blood spilt and tears shed for your iPhone? Does anybody, not, does anybody want to say that that's, in fact, not the case? I myself do not.
2: Mm, I haven't read about it, speaking for myself. I mean, I've read about similar things, but I, I mean...
0: I for which one?
2: I don't know. Just I, I just have a vague idea from this and that piece I've read, like that that's how we get our stuff in right. America.
0: So, um, I don't know. Well, I have watched some that, of the documentaries on things on Walmart. I've seen thing on things on factory-owned food. And they are, I would say, sobering. The liberals that say, why don't you care about this stuff? I'd I'd grant them, why don't you care about that stuff? I'd grant them that we can argue this or that thing. What we can't argue is the holiness and perfection of American industry and capitalism. I mean, we just, I don't mm. think we can. I don't know that that's a, are those bold words? I don't think those are bold
1: well, words. Well, my only hesitation with just full on agreeing with you is that I don't know enough I don't feel like I know enough about a lot of these situations, but I would be ready and maybe not ready, but I would be willing to believe that in some of these places where we see or understand uh, exploitation or relative exploitation, that it is truly relative. And that what's actually happening is that families and economies are being built and helped and they're way better off than they ever have been. But I don't know. I know, I know that a dollar a day doesn't sound like much to us, but I also know that places like Compassion International say for a dollar a day you can feed a whole family and or whatever it is in some third world country so I don't you know I don't know what I think we have to be very careful about about thinking in in relative terms relative poverty is a, a real thing somebody who's poor in the United States is not in the same position as somebody who's poor in another country somebody who makes a dollar a day in the United States is not in the same position as somebody I makes a dollar a day in a third world country and I don't know how that all lines up and wo- ends up working out in terms of quality of life for people. Right.
0: So, and, and you could say the same thing about the factory farmed chickens. Okay, not the best conditions for chickens, but if a single mom with two kids can eat some Tyson chicken and it can be cheap, then... It's not nothing. It's not nothing. I mean, if you're creating an economy where some chickens are in pain in order to help people, then I'm not going to feel bad about that.
1: Then, yet, yeah, you know, you are... In danger, like you know, the devil's advocate alarm goes off, and then you say, "Well, that's a pretty slippery slope. That's ends justify the means territory, right?" And yeah, and it's a place to be cautious and careful because um, God does talk about those who mistreat their beasts, and it's a mark of righteousness that uh, the righteous man cares for his sheep and his cows. And otherwise, Jesus, being the good shepherd, is meaningless. Right? It is the a good res- shepherd who goes after the one sheep is meaningless.
2: You probably our listeners know about Temple Grandin maybe you saw the HBO movie about the Temple Grandin is still alive Not me. Jake you, you don't know so she's worked in the cattle industry for about 30 years she's a professor of animal science at Colorado State University she's a lady who has done some things to reform the way that cattle are slaughtered works with livestock. She's autistic and is known, and I guess I know here, I know more about her from the movie than I do from real life, but the movie is pretty factual from what what I've read. She grew up around cattle and felt a a certain bond with them and started noticing how they acted in herds, kind of what they were thinking and what they were perceiving, and used that knowledge to help change the slaughterhouse industry in certain ways, like uh, introducing a curved loading chute so that when they go around the corner, they're struck without watching other cows being killed in front of them, so they don't panic, um, stuff like that. So she's all for treating animals well. She's all for animal welfare, but she's also clearly for eating meat. She's never said, the slaughterhouses need to be torn down. Or, if you knew what went on in a slaughterhouse, you would stop eating animals. She said, you're treating the cows badly. If you want to eat them, you need to think more carefully about what you're doing and how. Uh, And I think that's pretty admirable. And she has worked really hard to see changes introduced. Now, they're practical changes. They're like, let's do the industry differently. Let's invent different technology for this. Let's think about, are you actually treating the animals well in these ways?
1: Yeah, and I think those are good places to be, and I think that's a pretty Christian Absolutely. way of thinking. Because the fact is, we don't want single moms to not be able to buy chicken for a buck eighty a pound or whatever you said. It, it, yeah, I don't know whatever Tyson's in. going for right now. <laughs> whoever, you said, <laughs> you, whoever you said it is, let's not become vegans, and let's not become hipster agrarian types who, who make chicken something that has gone from being something we can provide because of our economy, we can provide meat and protein to, to single moms and to bachelors and to large families with low single incomes. There, there's something that we've lost when you raise animals and uh, you care for them yourself and then you have to slaughter them yourself then there's a respect that you have for life in general. Maybe you take it maybe less for granted than the meat that you eat, but I've never met a, a farmer who is too sentimental, and I have farmers in my family who are too sentimental about the cows or the chickens or the rabbits that they that they keep. They treat them well, they care for them, and then they kill them, and they eat them, and that's what they're there for. And that is what they're there for. God gave us the animals to eat.
2: So is it my responsibility as a Christian? Let's say I, you know, I become con- convinced that, okay— Pretty much all Tyson chicken I buy is these conditions that I talked about earlier. Good for the single mom that she can buy that for her kids. But I, I could afford this fancy organic chicken. So do I have a, some kind of obligation to say with my dollars, I don't want animals to, to be treated this way. And I, I'm not, I don't need to save an extra $2 a pound or something
1: here's my answer to that. I think it's a matter of conscience, but if you're going to let your conscience be bound by that, then let's talk about all the other places that your conscience needs to be bound. Let's talk about, you know, I had a friend the other day who's lives in another town and he tweeted at like chip and Joanna Gaines for having their, uh, their line of, I don't know if it's clothing or, and it's probably not clothing. It's probably like furniture or something like that. Right. Cause it's the Gaines family. Uh, be it, have an exclusive, uh, having an exclusive deal with target. He was like, they're the only organization that is, actively evil or something like that was mm-hmm. his contention i said okay well and this, this goes back to what nathan was saying earlier like at the very at the top of the of the show basically booney said well does your friend use an iphone right because whether or not apple does use child labor i don't know if they do or don't whether or not they use slave labor or child labor or a, a, i have you, no idea either i was just throwing that out as kind of yeah, yeah what, what of we, the, we do know is that apple is actively promoting homosexuality Mm-hmm. Right. CEO Tim Cook is gay. Dollars that you give to Apple, Apple end up going to promote all kinds of the same thing with Microsoft. So the, you can't buy a computer. Right. <laughs> right. And that, if you're going to run Windows or if you're going to buy a Mac, we're going to have Ma- Microsoft software. Microsoft software. Some of that money is going to, to fund abortions, is going to mm-hmm. encourage abortions in third world countries. Starbucks. Better not have your Starbucks coffee. But then even beyond that, Procter & Gamble, uh, Unilever, any of the big, huge parent, parent companies that have soaps, detergents, and you, you're going to run into all kinds of problems uh, with all of those companies and where their dollars go and how you get the products that you get. Some of our listeners may not be aware of the fact some of their children may have been vaccinated using cell lines that come from... From aborted children. Some of our listeners may not know that while the birth control pill, the pill, says that it's not an abortive fashion, it works by preventing pregnancy, not ending pregnancy. But what you don't know is that they've redefined pregnancy to mean implantation instead of conception. And then they go on to say it does work by preventing implantation. So what does that mean? It means that that sometimes the pill works as an abortive fashion. It works to kill children. How many of our listeners potentially have used the pill and unknowingly killed their children? Some of these things you should clearly stop doing, right? Like mm-hmm. you should not use the pill. You should not do it because it works by sometimes killing children. So you should you just should not do it. But just the same, there's no way to keep your cl- hands clean. And so your hypothetical situation, Ben, where you have a guy who says well am i because i have the financial means am i morally obligated to pay $5 more for my chicken or whatever it is a matter of conscience but it's not a place where i want to bind anybody's conscience because the minute mm-hmm. i start binding mm-hmm. your conscience there you've opened pandora's box and you're going to end up living on a deserted island in a monastery that you built and even there you're not going to be able to run from yourself there's no there's no way to keep your hands clean and and that's not saying that's not saying there's license to not think about these things and to not think carefully about these things, and it's not saying that um,
0: if we all follow our consciences, some people won't be right and some people won't be wrong. But we may not know what which one it is. This side of heaven,
1: yeah. So we need to be careful and careful in how we allow our consciences to be bound, and mm-hmm. careful and especially careful in how we bind the consciences of others. And so I, I'm a pastor. I offered to meet somebody the other day at Starbucks, and they said, "No, I would never." give my money to that evil organization. So I say, oh, okay, that's fine. We can meet wherever you want to meet. I'm not going to stop drinking Starbucks coffee because yeah, does some of my money that goes to Starbucks, is that going to be used for evil? Yeah. I'm also going to have to pay my taxes Mm -hmm. and some of that money is going to be used for evil. And you know what? When Jesus said, render under Caesar, what is Caesar's? Told Peter to find the coin in the fish's mouth. Render
0: under this brutal monarchy that has wiped out civilizations in its own advancement, that crucifies people in the most barbarous way for crimes that don't deserve them, render under these bloodthirsty prefects. I mean, whoa. Like what's theirs?
1: Some of that money, mm-hmm. guess what? Went to evil things. Sure. And yeah, you know, we have to do certain things to get along in this world. And that means uh, we don't get through it with our hands being perfectly clean of everything we do, everything we do, everything we buy, everything we give money to going to righteous and perfect causes. Here's a a fact, okay? Here's a reality, and I live with this reality. The people of our church give money to our church, and some of that money goes to support me financially. And then I use some of that money for evil purposes because I'm a sinner. Mm You're going to stop tithing? Boom. Now, this is somebody's going to take what I'm saying and say, Great, I can do whatever I want and Uh, not think about where my money goes. People that are going to be like,
0: Oh, it's complicated. And you say we have Christian freedom. So, yay, liberty. I may send more that grace may abound. Yay. Those people are dumb. Yeah. No. You have to be think carefully about those things, these things, and you have to have a conscience and always let your
1: conscience be your guide. But um in <laughs> so, and, and work to have your conscience shaped and formed by scripture. Right. And I think there
0: are right. scriptural precedents. Render unto Caesar, what is Caesar's is one? Another verse we've kind of been dancing around, which I just pulled up here. Uh, Paul writing to the Corinthians, pretty famous passage for this kind of stuff. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all, meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy and swindlers, or our idol, Ugh. thanks coffee, or idolaters since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or slindler, not even to eat with such a one. So I think how you apply that principle is Hmm. difficult and takes some thought, but it's a good principle if your friend owns a farm and he's a Christian and he's mistreating his animals, Mm -hmm. then you rebuke him. Duh. Yeah, If your friend sure. eats Tyson chicken, because to not eat Tyson's chicken for him would mean getting a rocket ship and going to Mars, that might be a different story.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, another good scripture would be Romans fourteen twenty three. He who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's just what you guys are already saying. Work out what's in your conscience you have to deal with these things before God. Um,
1: and then live by faith. And then live by faith. Yeah. It's not and I know that it's not all that dissimilar in some ways from the question of of meat sacrificed to idols. It mm. it's really not. Meat sacrifice so if you in the ancient world if you're going to eat meat it was going to be butchered by and large in some kind of ritual idolatrous sacrificial rite. Mm. So it came from intrinsically immoral circumstances. The the circumstances
0: Your, surrounded by Prostitution, and prostitution, sexual immorality, and
1: uh, maybe maybe child prostitution. Very wicked circumstances surrounding the production and readiness of this, the availability of this meat to you. Mm-hmm. The Apostle Paul says, "Eat what's in the meat market without raising a question of conscience, unless you know, unless yeah. it bothers your conscience." Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <And they> don't. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a profound. A profoundly liberating thing and a profound statement, I think, about the wickedness of this world and the grace of God given to us to find our way through it, to navigate our way through it by faith. Right.
0: It's always an encouragement to me to think about the stories of heroes of the faith who had to navigate these same, same things, particularly in the Old Testament. I mean, you have Daniel, who works for a succession of wicked, idolatrous, promiscuous, whatever, kings. And he holds his own. He's faithful to God. He doesn't eat the delicacies and the enticements of the king. He doesn't pray to, you know, uh, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't, bow before the idol. Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den because he still prays. So he holds the course steady, but he also doesn't say, well, sorry, wicked king. I'm uh, not going to be one of your dudes because... Uh, Can't help you know. preserve
1: you because you, you're you wicked and... You yeah, wicked he's intent. willing
0: to take steps of faith within the practical realities of... Or David, when he goes and lives with that Philistine guy who ends up thinking that David's just like the coolest guy and David's kind of tricking him and stuff. Mm-hmm. There are these tricky places where people have to live faithfully in cultures that that are wicked. I don't don't want to say the answers aren't black and white, because that makes it sound like there are no answers. But I think in order to find the black and white within what looks like a sea of gray, you have to have work, you have to use discernment, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to Make real hard decisions. Sometimes be wrong. Be willing to be rebuked by your friends and brothers and pastors and fathers and repent of things. And it's just going to take more work
2: than a simple yes or no in a lot of cases.
1: Sorry, I'm trying to find. Was it Naaman? Naaman
2: who takes the earth back with him to Assyria.
1: So another example of this in in the Old Testament, uh, I think a really great one is Naaman the leper. He goes to Israel. He goes to the king. The king sort of panics. Elisha says, "Send him to me. Go dip in the river." He gets cured of his leprosy and Naaman says to him, I know that the Lord is God. Let me take some earth back with me. I will never sacrifice again in the temples. But this is what he says, please let me your servant be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God, but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Ramon to bow down and he is leaning on my arm and I have to bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. So here's a man. He's come to be healed by the Lord, and the Lord's prophet heals him. He says, I know there's no God but the Lord now. I will never offer a sacrifice to another, but but I have a job, and I have a master. And that means bowing down in a pagan temple. May God forgive me for doing this and serving my master. And Elisha says, go in peace. Go in peace. That's a lot of, I think, what the Christian life in a pagan culture looks like Israel didn't have or should not have had that that problem but you know he was a Syrian and he did hmm. and God had had mercy on him
2: and his solution is creative I mean he just here's my situation what am I gonna uh I think I'll take some dirt back that seems to help
1: that's <laughs> what I
0: always it. love that's what I love about the Apostle Paul, when he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with socially immoral, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the da-da-da-da-da, because then you would need to go out of the world. I love how practical the scripture always is and how creative people can, can be in applying those truths. I mean, I just love that people have to like make real choices and do real things. It's not pietistic sort of miasma of thought and feeling but sometimes you bow here sometimes you don't bow there and it's real it's concrete mm-hmm. it's it's what we have to do so i guess people can just go and do whatever they want right guys that's
2: the moral of this yeah episode. yeah but actually well you know <laughs> ben wants to actually, say no <laughs> Actually I mean All the biblical principles That we're talking about so far Have to do with The difficulty of making godly decisions And that's, that's the idea You've got to make godly decisions Hey, if your conscience doesn't let you Buy Tyson chicken Because you know that chickens Have a pretty bad life In Tyson's warehouses Or their contractor's warehouses Then Guess what? You're not free in your conscience to eat Tyson chicken. Sorry for you, it's going to be sin. Even though we can't bind everyone's consciences and say, Hey, this uh, sound of sanity uh, decrees (laughs) that Christians who eat Tyson chicken shall be held guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not what this is about but but our point is that you have to make a godly decision. You have to think about these things. you're not let off the hook because this is confusing or hard or because it's good for single moms to have drumsticks and chicken breasts at night uh with their kids. You have to make a, your own decision. No, discernment so you have to care.
0: takes work. Wisdom takes work. What is the book of Proverbs about if it's not about that? Come on. I, I just, and that's where I get a little bit annoyed with people like your friends who, or your friend who mm. want to sort of beat us over the stick with their easy solution or beat us over the <laughs> stick. Yeah, use their heads to beat us over the stick.
1: <laughs> that sounds uh, kind, that. Of, kind of correct. Uh, that might be a good uh, <laughs> uh,
0: uh, Yeah, Dr. Freud, your slip is showing. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Uh, you got the libertines over here and they want to make it easy for us and then you got the Pharisees over here and they want to make it easy for us. Honestly, they want to say, follow formula X Y and Z and then it'll be easy just do this and you're holy and it's like no actually it requires work it requires discernment and it's tough and you know the beginning of wisdom is get wisdom (laughs) that's actually in there it's like one of my favorite uh bible verses yeah it's great um the beginning of wisdom is seek wisdom and solomon spent his life doing it and i don't know what i'm trying to say but it's just like man up you know and 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 Don't bind each other's consciences, but do do the work. And it's real work to figure out how to live in this world and how to be holy and how to be, as we've avoided saying so far, in the world, but not of it. It's real. It's real work.
1: Yeah. And um, I also want to be careful that we don't bind uh, anybody's conscience to go and feel like they have to research every product that they that they buy or Mm -hmm. Tyson in particular. No, you Mm -hmm. can't. You Because it's impossible. And so if you're if you if you are a if you're the person who buys groceries in your household, buy groceries.
2: What you don't want to be is is to become the kind of person who does research every product, you know, you t- and you and you miss. You miss what God wants from you most, which is that you care about people's souls, that you honor him. If you care about the way chickens are treated, do you care about like talking with the cashier at Kroger, showing them love, sharing the gospel? Yeah, you, can, you, just... you 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 can tithe your dill and mint and stuff and and miss mercy and compassion. Um, you can go down a rabbit hole or a, <laughs> a chicken hole with <laughs> this kind of issue, like Jake is saying, on every product, if you want.
0: And it's far too true of a stereotype. I think we all know people who do their research and they're going to make sure and bind as many consciences as they possibly can because it's a point of pride for them to know huh. and Apple does that and Walmart does this and you should shop here and here's the three places in town that you can go to and here's the 500 places that you can't and here's why you don't vote for this politician and that's their thing and that's their shtick. And it's not that that person is always wrong about this or that thing, but...
1: What they are wrong about is binding the consciences of, of the people around them uh, because they have made a decision and that makes them right mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in their own sight. Mm-hmm. So, here's the, here's the point. You, once you start pulling on this thread, the thread keeps going for miles and miles and miles. And you need to be aware that there is no way... To live in this world and to have perfectly clean hands, you have responsibility to uh, exercise discernment and to think carefully about things. But that responsibility starts with first being sure that you're you're not violating God's law explicitly yourself. Right, Naaman, I will not I will not offer sacrifices to to other gods. At Daniel, God has given me a clear command about what I can and cannot eat, and I, I can't do that. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I will not bow the knee to Daniel. I will not stop praying to God. You're not going to violate God's law. You're going to care for and provide for your family, and you're going to see to the needs of your family as best as you're able, and you're going to see to the the needs of your neighbor. And that can extend as deep and as far as you can take it, but it should never compromise your commitment to honoring the Lord and your family and those neighbors that are closest to you that you have actual impact on and in contact with. And then you can get down into the chickens in the factories. You know, we live in a world that has wickedness and sin at every corner and every turn. And so be free. God has provided many things for us and, uh, and we ought to be free to partake of them with joy and uh, gratitude to God and, and by faith certainly
0: don't have to let ourselves feel oppressed by a bunch of social justice hipster slacktivists yeah right
1: yeah yeah don't let don't let them oppress you my goodness people
0: that are gonna say oh well i guess the entirety of christianity and uh, christ dying for you and everything's invalidated because uh you didn't care about the chickens well that's wrong i do not agree with that Sound of sanity. Sound
2: of sanity is against it.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Anything else to say, Ben? Well, it sounds like you're, you're still leaving me with work
1: and stuff. Yeah, like there's one thing did that, that the sound of sanity does not do, answers. it's resolve tension. Nope. <laughs> oh, man. You guys. <laughs> so, uh, we are not we are not the uh, sound of pat answers. Right. Okay. And, uh, pat
0: answer free zone here, my friend. All the an- what's the opposite of pat? Pat? Difficult? What does pat even mean?
2: Pat means, like, what,
0: simple? I'm looking it up. Definition of pat. Touch quickly and gently with the flat of the hand. A light stroke with the hand. A compact mass of soft material. <laughs> There's no compact masses of soft material here. In our answers. Only hard true.
2: There's a loose mass of difficult truths. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a loose mass of difficult truths here.
2: All righty, folks. Thanks for
0: listening. We know this is a difficult issue. Got questions, concerns. Hit us. Up. Oh, Jake's got another thing. He's raising his hand.
1: Too exactly fitting glib. Yeah. There's your proper too Definition.
0: exactly fitting and glib the sound of sanity is never too exactly flitting flitting <laughs> nor is it flib fib <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh boy all right ben you feel insane uh, a little yeah but that's okay i think it's just natural you know it's part of living in the world but not being of the world I said, are you feeling sane Right. Oh, you said, "Am I feeling sane?" Yes. I thought you said insane. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the answer is kind of the same. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sort of. I'm feeling. I'm feeling kind of sane. Yeah. Me Anything?
0: too. Yeah. Welcome to our existential right. dilemma. Yeah. All right, everybody. The sound of sanity was engineered by Benjamin Sulzer, produced by Nathan Alberson, and like all fine Warhorn products, executive produced by Jacob Menzel and Nathan Alberson. Until next time.
1: Stay sane.